watching this individual's face change and thinking that, oh my goodness, these questions could be thrown at me. And just little by little, a little bit of irritation, you know, oh my goodness, really? And I said, you know, then you were there. It's better, better us than 60 minutes. <laughs> you know, let's get ready. Welcome to Navigating the Narratives, where decision makers from sports to politics and the media share their strategies, stories, and inside scoop on controlling headline issues when it matters most. And now your host, brand and reputation gatekeeper, Carrie Cecil. Hey, Ramsey, how you doing? I'm doing well. Things are uh, good here on my end. Hope, hope uh, you and your folks are safe and sound. We're, we're doing good out here on the West Coast. Um, really excited that you're joining me. Uh, Ramsey's one of our partners at Anna Chuck Communications and one of the specialists in crisis and litigation communications. Uh, he's in Washington, D.C. And today we're going to talk about how to help lawyers to decide when the right time is to hire a communications expert. Uh, the reality of that is that in the last 25 years, the media landscape has really, really changed. We went from, in the, what, in the last 25 years from having three broadcast networks and newspapers were the primary source of the news and the news cycle changed from, you know, 24 hours to 120 seconds. And, and I mean, Ramsey, wouldn't you agree that a lot of the content has become more editorial and the writers are so thirsty for information? I mean... Talk to me a little bit about what you feel about the news cycle and and the challenges uh, that journalists are facing right now. Well, there's a media really for everyone. You still have a solid core, unbiased media out there, believe it or not, that tend to cover stories uh, in terms of balls and strikes. But we also have a much larger expanded um uh, uh, media that you, you definitely have a conservative media and you definitely have a liberal media. So you have all three. Um, and that is really fed in to a lot of, um, especially plaintiffs using that to their advantage. As the media has changed, I think legal strategies on how they use the media have changed along with it as well. And you see many using it to their advantage. Absolutely. And, you know, what What we're here to talk about today is how that strategy has really changed and when the right time is for an, a lawyer or attorney to hire a strategic or crisis litigations expert. So um, we're both old enough to understand when no comment was a common practice. Um, you know, we don't comment on pending litigation how, how would you say that's changed, and, and what do you think the advantages or disadvantages are? Well, you know, I, I mean, just look in the news today. Um, there is a no comment um, by the NFL. It really raises a lot of questions. It, it, it involves the situation where the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker, James Harrison, uh, said that back in 2010, he was fined for at the time was considered an illegal hit. And he says that coach Mike Tomlin gave him an envelope uh, to cover the, <laughs> the, the $75,000 fine. Um, and so the NFL is asked and the NFL actually gives a no comment uh, to it. And so this is a great example where, well, wait a minute, I, you know, there must be some comment you can make. It, it raises a question 
when, when for most readers, when they see the, the phrase no comment, in the minds of a lot of people, sometimes it means I'm guilty uh, and I've got something to hide. So, it, you know, lawyers are especially cautious when it comes to making public comments. Right. Uh, and, and, and understandably so. Um, you know, going back to we're talking about the changing media landscape. It used to be that in the minds of attorneys, they only had to convince either one person, one judge, or potentially a panel of judges, or maybe a jury. And that was it. And, but today, with the ever-changing landscape of media, everyone is getting notifications on, on their phones. Uh, media seems to be everywhere. And uh, you can now see where use of the media can not only strengthen an attorney's case, but also protect the client's reputation if they're going through a high stakes legal challenge. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more, although we do like the NFL and we like the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I 100% and I saw that this morning and I thought the exact same thing um, that you're saying and just there's got to be a holding statement or contingency statement, uh, two different things clearly uh, that they could have ready knowing that it's coming. So, Well, and, and it's worth saying that the Steelers, I mean, Mr. Rooney commented that the Steelers yes, did yes. put out a statement. It doesn't say much. He says he finds it hard to believe that it happened without necessarily calling, calling uh, him a liar. But the Steelers organization was able to at least be ready for it and have a comment. And, uh, and, and by the way, uh, Tomlin so far uh, just hasn't responded to requests yet. So this now has become the story that uh, no one's talking and, and no one wants to be in that situation. Absolutely not. So, um, you know, you and I had, had talked about something offline that I think is important to talk about when this really um really changed, that the landscape changed. And it wasn't so long ago, you know, that, that the lawyers were reluctant to make those public comments, um, particularly about active litigation, fearing potential adverse public perception, um, as well as potential state bar disciplinary action. And, um, and that attitude really started to change in 1991, when the Las Vegas defense attorney, um, Dominic Gentile, challenged a private reprimand by the Nevada State Bar all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court and won. Can you tell us sort of what led to that and, and tell us about Justice Kennedy's ruling? Take the lawyers or folks that are interested in this, how that really um, changed in 1991. Let's talk about that case. Well, I think at the time, bar associations really took a dim view at what's called extrajudicial comments, uh, and, th and that is the comments beyond the courtroom. And in this case, uh, this guy, Dominic Gentile, was representing someone considered uh, less than savory. He was brought up on charges of embezzlement, drug possession, and theft. Um, and the Las Vegas Police Department at the time and the, and the prosecution really used the media repeatedly to cast Gentile's client in a, in a very negative light. And he had had enough. And so Gentile called his own press conference and lashed out at the prosecution, uh, accusing them of being dishonest and suggesting that the police were the ones uh, who were crooked in this case. And this raised a lot of eyebrows and caused quite the brouhaha. The Nevada State Bar disciplined Gentile 
and really it was a slap on the wrist. So it wasn't that they didn't disarm, but they said they kind of said, you know, that this is a little bit much. And and even though eventually Gentile's client was found not guilty in all these charges, Gentile didn't let the state bar association reprimand go. And so he appealed it unsuccessfully all the way to the Nevada Supreme Court, eventually getting it in 91 to the U.S. Supreme Court. And the court there sided with Gentile and and said that he and lawyers have the right to talk about their case into the public. And and, and there's a quote here in which Kennedy said that, that lawyers should not be unduly constrained from commenting. And the ruling was, an attorney's duties do not begin inside the courtroom door. He or she cannot ignore the practical implications of a legal proceeding for the client. A defense attorney may pursue lawful strategies to obtain dismissal of an indictment or reduction of charges, including an attempt to demonstrate in the court of public opinion that the client does not deserve to be tried. So this gave this gave Gentile and other lawyers really an opening to begin to use the media more to make their case. What would you say are the top three things that stop lawyers from hiring a litigation uh, communications expert? What, what do you think those those top three things are? Well, I think number one, far and away, is that. Uh, lawyers like to have control, as much <laughs> control as they can. Right. And I think in the eyes of many attorneys, there is a concern uh, that something that is said by someone other than themselves will put their client and the client's case in jeopardy. Absolutely. Um, yep. And, you know, I think that is uh, the biggest one, is that they are uh, especially cautious about how they proceed. You know, if, if you spend enough time around attorneys, you know, they, they really make sure that every word that is put into, into a filing is just the right word, just the right adjective. And so uh, e- even if someone is on message, I think there's a concern that saying the right thing might be interpreted or taken the wrong way. Um, also, I think there's a mistrust of the media and that they will actually be able to get their story told in a balanced way that truly reflects the facts of the case. And third, um, I, I just think that there is a kind of some, a lot of times just a singular focus about appealing to the judge and the jury and winning on those merits. Basically winning in the, in the courtroom and losing sometimes in the court of public opinion. Well, I, I, think, I think you bring up a really important point is... I think today, because of the greater use of the media, you have, uh, especially on the plaintiff side, where they have far less to lose, they can be really aggressive at going after defendants, especially if they're um, companies, corporations, organizations, and, and really embarrass them and make them look bad in the media, especially if they know that the other side isn't going to use the media, then they yeah. get a free ride and they can really tell the story. And so, you know, there are circumstances where a company or an organization can win in the court of law, but lose in the court of public opinion, putting the organization in a real deficit with its key stakeholders, whether that's employees, uh, shareholders, customers, 
uh, whatever the case may be. So I think it's uh, that a company can come out looking worse, even if they win. I think it's really important to protect both flanks. I think there's a way of doing it in that creating a strategic plan that is completely lockstep in with the legal strategy, but also at the same time protects an organization's brand and reputation. Carrie, where do you see those benefits? That's a great question. I think, you know, there's there's a litany of them, but I would say the top two to five are really from, you know, you, you said it early, working in lockstep, you know, smart attorneys, and, and you and I have, have done this, uh, work even at the filing stage to make sure that the narratives within the filing are the same as the narratives that are going to be put in the media. Um, so having those experts uh, at their fingertips to be able to craft uh, narratives from the beginning. Uh, I would say that's a good one. Uh, it allows them to, I think, um, advance your case in a positive way. Uh, today, big companies or big brands or you know some of the folks that we work with, you know, high wealth, high profile, headline issues, um, have to be able to defend themselves in the court of public opinion. And and you and I say this all the time. You know, it's better to balance a narrative. I, you know, we're both very competitive people, and we don't like getting beat zero to a hundred, you know, it's better to be 50, 50, uh, and experts allow them to be able to do that. And you touched on this a little bit, but the opposing counsel may control the narratives if they don't, and, and they're going to throw those bombs. So getting the client's message out there, um, can sometimes not just influence the court of public opinion, but you have jurors, you have judges who are on social media, who are reading the media. And, and while they're supposed to be fair and impartial, I 100% agree with you. There has to be some type of bias that inadvertently can be put there. So I think there's you know, three or four really, really solid reasons in today's media climate of working in complete lockstep with experts uh, that know what they're doing in messaging and understand the importance of the legal process. And as you always say, you know, (laughs) number one rule is do no harm. So I think there's, you know, you have to have the right experts. You have to have people who understand it. But again, bringing it back to when, when should they hire them? So when should lawyers and you know, general counsel, outside counsel, even CEOs or, or institution presidents and, and recognize the signs of why and when they should pull the trigger on hiring experts in litigation communications for their case. So I'm going to throw that to you. I mean, I mean, let's just keep talking about that because it's really important for them to be able to identify and think about right when they, you know, some of these lawyers have been representing these clients for years and years and, you know, some get brought on. So let's give them sort of that, you know, hey, this marker, if you're at this spot, this is the time. So I'll toss one to you, you toss one to me. What do you think? Well, I think I think the easy one is when it's naturally already going to be a media story um, yeah. and you know it's going to be, and it's already in the headlines. Um, it could be, you know, let's say the arrest of a star player or a head coach yeah. or a plane crash. Just some dramatic moment like that where it is being covered and a large 
number of people are going to learn about the issue through the media. Yeah, yeah. or yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, the case can be um, unfairly framed or, or characterized by the media, right? Like they, they know looking at it that if they don't tell their story, someone else will. And it may be unfairly told. I've seen that, you and I both have seen that um, in loss of life issues, uh, massive oil and gas uh, disasters. I feel like if they don't have the opportunity right when uh, they recognize that, you're already standing in quicksand. That's right. Um, And so I think every organization should have some sort of crisis plan on the ready so that they're not always caught uh, flat-footed. But when it comes time for litigation, that's when that transitions into more of a litigation communications where, um, as we've already said, every, every comment and every word is got to be in lockstep with the legal strategy. Um, and a lot of times, I think one of the ways of doing that is lawyers draft a response or they're filing taking language directly from that and using that in the media can be very helpful. You know, the other thing to think about is will the long-term reputation of the client or their business or their career, you know, some of some of the folks that we work with, their careers are over. Will they be impacted by that brand and reputation that's out in the media during the case? Can they be unfairly characterized even though many times they could be innocent and it's just about proving the innocence. But meanwhile, every headline is that they're guilty. Terry, you talk all the time about the effect of Google and that Google doesn't go away. Uh, People tend to get a little glassy eyed when it comes to lawsuits and legal rulings, but, you know, searching an incident or what someone did or what someone said, that will always come back up in Google, which just is another reason to make sure that while uh, legal proceedings are happening, that the reputation is being maintained simultaneously. Absolutely. I mean, to me, Google is like a drain. You're stacking information on top of information on page one. So if the opposing counsel is throwing uh, narrative bombs every single day, that's going to end up on Google. So now the entire first two pages of Google is maybe false information or skewed narratives, and that will stay there forever. So it is about balancing that narrative in a ping pong match and understanding how to do that. And it's a very specialized business um, because you not only have to understand the litigation process and the legal process, but you have to understand Uh, the communications process and how the world has changed, particularly with digital media. Well, that's right. And and a lot of times, you know, our clients start off far behind the eight ball and things don't look good, (laughs) right? So I'll tell a story. I I had a client years ago in which um, the Washington Post had a big story and a big headline, and it talked about a business owner who was arrested for the solicitation of prostitution. Uh, And the story was that he followed a woman out of a restaurant, followed her into a dark parking lot. Uh, She got out of the car, he got out of the car, and then began to um, sexually uh, harass her. All that, it was true. That was a true story. But the story that was not told at the time 
was that these two had been driving to the same dark parking lot for five years. <laughs> they had an agreement. And on this particular night, um, she decided to change the rates. He said no. She called the police on him and had him arrested. So he now, as a business owner, is way behind the eight ball. By the time it got to me, this story was out, and his business was taking a really hard hit. We were able to work with his legal team and tell the rest of the story, that there were five years of cell phone data, texts and calls between the two. And, and while this does not completely exonerate him, he absolutely did. He had a family. He did uh, participate in prostitution uh, and other things. But at least the full story was able to be told. And instead of getting beat a, a hundred and nothing, he was able to at least bring it up to kind of a 50-50 story. That was a factual story. He was able to apologize and say he was not a perfect person and get back on with his business. Uh, but that's just a quick example of how uh, and many times, uh, especially if you're the plaintiff, you have that opportunity to take the first shot. You can really frame it. And if you don't respond to it, then you really leave the rest of your uh, business and operations in jeopardy. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, it's funny because I was trying to explain to someone what we do and, and just how it's changed and, you know, being a fixer, or, you know, being the Olivia Pope of sports or, you know, all of these things to try to make sense. And, you know, for many of the cases that you and I work on together, it's the headlines that never make it. Right. And, and the, and the win, because the journalist has been fed, uh, one side of the story, that story seems very salacious. It's going to get a lot of clickbait. It's going to um, put them on the map for breaking news. And once we have the opportunity to say, wait, whoa, 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 you know, whoa, 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 you know, with, with the attorney's permission, you know, send us the questions. It's your job to be for the media. And this is another podcast, but it's the job to tell a fair and unbiased news story. And so in that, you know, give us, you know, 50 questions or 20 questions that you feel uh, are appropriate to the story. And by the time and you and I just did this, right? So uh, by the time they get the answers, all of a sudden they're like, wait a second, this isn't that interesting. And the story goes away. I think for, you know, that you have the, you know, Homeland Security, whoever says for every, you know, terrorist attack, there are a hundred that are foiled. And I feel like, you know, you and I kind of do that as well for all of the, the cases that we work on. There's so many that when the litigation team and the litigation communications team work in lockstep with a strategy, with a plan, and are able to tell the story from our client's perspective, it can either make the story go away or at least fairly balance it. And I mean, that that's kind of how I want to wrap it up, unless you want to add anything else. No, I, I, think, um, I think the only other thing that you might want to think about too is um, there are times we're talking about when should a litigation expert be hired. And we've talked about when there's already been a high impact incident when their story's being written, but your client or your or the law firm is getting stories or calls rather from an investigative reporter, 
from a 60 minutes type show, <laughs> it is time to call someone immediately. Don't try to handle this on your own. 60 minutes especially is really adept at being able to take over a story and frame it. Um, typically, our process is to slow down the process. You know, every time, especially an investigative journalist calls, they want information right away. Their deadline is immediate. And rarely is that really ever the case. You should call in a litigation communications expert, uh, someone who's been through this uh, several times. And typically what, what we like to do is really, really understand who the reporter is, who the media outlet is, and begin to slow down that process to get a full understanding so that we can prepare the client and make a decision on whether to participate or not to participate. That's a great, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I just think that it was, you know, the 60 minutes thing just brings back and I'm not going to, clearly we don't talk about our clients, but you know who this very high profile individual was and running them through, even when we knew the questions uh, that were going to potentially be thrown at them in this particular very high profile case, Um, very high wealth individual and running those questions with them and just the sheer of, you know, watching this individual's face change and thinking that, oh my goodness, these questions could be thrown at me. And just little by little, a little bit of irritation, you know, oh my goodness, really? And I said, you know, and you were there, it's better, better us than 60 minutes, <laughs> you know, let's get ready. So, um, hey, we're going to wrap it up. We, we have lots in this litigation communications series from protecting the privilege to, to when to hire someone. And we look forward to adding more to it, but we're going to wrap it up for today. Ramsey, thanks again for, for joining me. Um, I look forward to seeing you on Zoom later today. <laughs> and is there anything else you want to throw for our listeners? Well, just that if, if there is a need to know more about when to hire litigation communications experts to help with the legal team, we're here to help. We have a lot of resources. We can always talk through um, what your particular situation is and give you a little bit of color about our experience and what our recommendations would be. Well, that's going to wrap it up for Navigating the Narratives. Need to know more about when to hire a litigation communications expert to help your legal team? We're here to help. Our team helps to build, train, and navigate the narratives for headline issues when it matters the most. So thanks for listening and have a great day. You've been listening to brand and reputation expert, Carrie Cecil. Need help with crisis, litigation, or strategic communications? Visit www.anachel.com. That's www.anachel.com. And remember, when it comes to navigating your narratives through high-stakes issues, being pissed off is not a plan. Like this podcast? Be sure to subscribe to our channel and to share it with friends and colleagues.